Hi, Peter Balker here, and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now, joining me today in the studio is Raquel Linga, who is a coach for people, well, for creatives and entrepreneurs that suffer from a chronic illness. Welcome, Raquel. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. I am excited for this conversation today. So one of the things that really intrigued me about your profile and the work that you do is that you work, well, you yourself are chronically ill and have been from a very young age, right? Yes. Yep. I was diagnosed with uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which is rheumatoid arthritis when I was about seven and I'm going to be 33 soon. So, yep, it's been a long time. So that's something that you've lived with probably most of your life. Yeah, I mean, it, it has morphed and shifted and changed in the ways that it impacts me. You know, I have had a few years uh, in my teen years where I was totally in remission, unmedicated. And uh, yeah, there's been really difficult times and times when I almost could pass as a healthy person. So but, and for that, there must be a lot of uncertainty, right? Because <laughs> at times you don't know whether you're coming or going. How long am I going to be in this condition? Am I going to come out of this condition? When I come out of this condition, what would the world look like? What will I be able to do? In fact, there's a lot of parallels through what what you've been through and perhaps what we're going through right now with the pandemic. A hundred percent. You know, that uncertainty piece, that kind of uh, reassured laughter, the sarcastic laughter I was giving you when you said uncertainty is like, you know, that's exactly it. We have to become experts uh, at living with, dealing with uncertainty and not getting totally stuck and doing nothing because we're so overwhelmed. Uh, And, you know, it's, I think the whole world has experienced some of the level of uncertainty that we've been dealing with forever. If anything, I think probably this has been the only time in history where the entire level play, the entire playing field has been leveled for the first time. Where actually everyone has been literally in the same boat, where they've had lockdowns, remote working. I mean, like remote working, for example, for you, remote working has become a blessing because it's allowed you to operate businesses, especially with the onset of technology. It's allowed you to do stuff that perhaps... 25 years ago, it would have been quite difficult for you to do being stuck at home, right? Absolutely. You know, technology, I think has, it's revolutionized so much, but I think if anything, it has really advanced uh, and, and given a pathway for people with disabilities and chronic illnesses to participate in entrepreneurship in, you know, in, advocacy on a global level and all these things that we quite literally would not have had the access or energy or ability to even get there in the first place. And it's, it's eliminated that, um, you know, I, I, I want to note too, that, you know, there are still other barriers, right? It's not just, okay, well, everyone's home. So now we're all dealing with the same stuff. Like, Yes, you know, you're, you're having an experience that is in many, many ways similar to, you know, the levels of uncertainty that those in my community deal with all the time. 
there's an interesting thing. As soon as the pandemic hit and a lot of people, well, quite a lot of people actually, were forced to be what I would call sort of dislodged, displaced from their workplace, having to work from home, it was a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. And for many people, it was like paralyzing. All of a sudden, it wasn't what we could be doing. It was like the world is coming to an end. And many people I saw ended up going into the virtual waiting room where they had the mindset of, okay, we'll ride this out and we'll come out the other end and we'll go back to normality. (laughs) Whereas I've heard loads of stories of people that have been working, like people that you know, people with disabilities, that community, that actually all of a sudden, these new tools that have been enhanced, all of a sudden their businesses started to skyrocket because it was just a massive opportunity. There wasn't any of that legacy thinking about what one has lost because you kind of already process that stuff over a number of years. But instead it was like the opportunity out there, the world is changing, let's jump on it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that you said about, you know, we've been processing that for a long time, like, yeah, 100%. And all of us, not all of us, I won't speak for all of us, but, you know, this mindset that, you know, this is a huge loss, like, yes, acknowledge that loss and realize what an incredible opportunity this still is. Um, you know, I, I get it. I get the, the loneliness factor of working from home. I get that it's difficult to compartmentalize stuff. You know, I being a sole entrepreneur, like I miss physical interaction with people too. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's important, you know, in the thing you said about, uh, those of us that are already working online in this community, you know, mine included had a huge uptick in 2020 because, you know, I think prior to the pandemic, there was still a ton of social doubt about is online entrepreneurship legitimate? (laughs) Uh, You know, is it legit? Is it real? Is it all of these things it claims to be? And, all of a sudden everyone was at home and uncertain about their jobs or losing their jobs. And it was like, everyone turned towards these internet communities that were already established to be like, what the hell do we do now? Um, and yeah, you know, it's that, that surfing the wave of uncertainty and change because really for all of us, there is very little we can control in our lives comparatively to the things we can't. Um, but when you are living in a pandemic, when you have a disability or chronic illness, that window gets even smaller. And so, you know, those of us in my community and people who were healthy people sent home from COVID, you really have to become sort of a ninja of a thousand percent focusing on that small window, because that's the only power you have. Now, for a lot of people, they don't even know what that window looks like. How do you help people that you work with focus on that window? You know, one important part of this, which is not sexy, but I talk about all the time, is you have got to allow space for your feelings, for the grief, for the frustration, for the anger, uh, for the good days, for the bad days, because, you know, and becoming kind of a ninja, right? 
there's this concept that I'm, I'm pretty certain is from Buddhism, which is pain versus suffering. Um, and you know, and pain is the stuff that is happening to you and the suffering is what we're doing to ourselves internally about it, (laughs) you know, like how we're re-rehearsing and making ourselves more miserable. Um, so acknowledging those feelings and letting all of them be okay, helps us move more quickly through the suffering piece. Um, so that, you know, the pain takes so much away already. So we really get good at, uh, approving of all our feelings, allowing space for all of that to happen. And when it comes to, you know, controlling that small window as business owners, we have to get really, really good at focusing the majority of our energy on money making things. Um, you know, and, and people who don't have chronic illnesses, like struggle at the beginning of business to do the important stuff because sales is vulnerable, you know, like making a website isn't hard. It's not right. Like that's not emotionally difficult to do, but putting yourself out there can be a struggle for a lot of people. So it's that, but layered on is the fact that like, we just don't have time to be messing around with any of that resistance, with any of that slowing down with any of that fluff. Like you have to go right for the most important stuff and stay there. And do you think perhaps because you've had to deal with the emotional stuff at an early stage, there is a degree of resilience now, whereas what we've seen and what's been reported globally is they say that the pandemic itself has caused mental illness to go through the roof. Yeah. Is it really mental illness as such, or is it one's capacity to deal with the reality? That, that is a question, Peter. Uh, we could do a whole episode on that question. So I'll try to keep it short because I have a lot of feelings on this. Um, you know, I am someone like I deal with mental illness as well. I have depression and anxiety and was recently diagnosed with ADHD, which um, I'm happy to talk about as well. And, you know, as someone who you know, honors, believes in, if you can even say that mental illness and the importance of like Western medicine in being involved in that, I, you know, there is a part of this that, you know, for me, like I'm, I I had a lot of childhood trauma too. And when we're unwilling to feel things, not just unwilling, but unable I think sometimes that can kind of solidify into depression. Um, that fear can solidify into anxiety. And, you know, I think this kind of global unwillingness to feel, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's just not something that I think any of us are taught well to do. I think any of us that are adults right now, <laughs> anyways, um, you know, you've got to open the floodgates and it's going to be messy, but you know, it's necessary ingredient for resilience. Mm. You know, you can't just go from, okay, this sucks to like positivity, you know? And I think there's a lot of like, you can do that. I think in some circumstances, but if you're dealing with a pandemic, a chronic illness, a disability, you can't just go right to like, I'm going to change my mindset. Like you've got to feel some shit. Um, and 
through that, you know, little by little, I think we can expand our capacities for difficulty, for, you know, disruptive feelings, for massive uncertainty. But you've got to be willing to tango with the things that feel awful in your body. And that's interesting you say that. And I would probably say, let's just go pre-pandemic here. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were very busy people. I mean, if you, they call it the rat race where you're continuously commuting, working hard, commuting, eating, crashing out. And I suppose a lot of bad stuff has happened during that period. But for many people, there was never that time to process or even acknowledge that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering whether all of a sudden, when the world slowed down, in many respects, also in some places, kind of came to a grand grinding halt when mm-hmm. people were locked down and not able to go. There was all the time in the world, perhaps, to think. <laughs> and there was that huge overwhelm and probably didn't know how to deal with it. It was like the floodgates had opened. Yeah, I mean, was the degree of paralysis with that as well. Yeah, you know, I. I think that that's such a valid point. And, you know, our, our culture isn't built for people to process feelings. You know, I, the kind of sociologist in me always asks the question, like who benefits, right? Who benefits when people don't have time to process or reflect enough on their lives to realize that they're you know, in the middle of their lives, doing a job that they hate, they never get to see their family. You know, I I think all of that emotional stuff just was up because people had nothing else to do (laughs) in some circumstances. Yeah. And I think that was very much reflected. I I, I swear I saw somewhere that in November alone in the US, 4.5 million people resigned from their positions. Yeah. I mean, I think that the pandemic, I think, was a huge gift to kind of this global self-actualization in the way that, you know, people really had to consider if they were on the path that they really wanted to be on. Um, and to realize that, you know, I'm going to quote Jim Carrey here. He has this amazing commencement speech. I don't know if you've seen it, but I love it. Um And he says, you know, I learned from my dad that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. And, you know, as someone with a chronic illness and disability, you know, this kind of idea that like eight to five is secure, I think isn't real for a lot of us because we know, you know, if our bodies aren't working appropriately, you know, we can lose our jobs, we can not be able to work. Um, And this idea that like your job is so secure, I think is crap because, you know, ultimately, like, I think the most secure thing you can do is build something that you made um, and create, you know, your own wealth that's not tied to somebody else's ability to run a company. You know, I just, I personally absolutely hate the idea that someone could just decide they don't have a job anymore. <laughs> and that's what happened to a lot of people. And I'm like, this is what I'm saying. Like your jobs aren't secure. They're not any more secure than what I'm doing. If anything, they're less. 
So we're going to have people on today's episode that can relate a lot to what we've been talking about. What advice would you give them to move forward? And I want you to think about it from the point of view that the Omicron virus now is going absolutely ballistic. Yeah. It's a lot less dangerous than Delta on the face of it. So this could potentially be the first sign of the weakening of the virus. However, bearing in mind there's no guarantee that actually we're at the end of it. <laughs> and people might be thinking this is the end game. What advice would you give them in terms of, okay, how do we move forward on this? I mean, you've got to realize that the life you knew before the pandemic is now outside of your bubble of things that you can control. Um, and, you know, from a tough love perspective, it's like you are every day that you spend thinking when this is over, when this is over, when this is over, you are literally stalling out. You know, what if this never ends? You know, that's a really big possibility. And but that's so you know, true because originally we we were told three weeks. No, th or three <laughs> then three months. Yeah, yeah, we'll be done in three weeks. We'll we'll isolate and it'll be gone. And then it was three months. Yet we're now in the third year. Yeah. And a lot yep. of people don't realize it's actually three years. It feels like 2020 never ended. <laughs> It probably never, to be honest with you. We, we slipped into some kind of portal that's not good. <laughs> but as you say, it, this probably is a very dangerous time for many. Yeah. Because as you say, if they're stalling again, mm -hmm. and it's an artificial stall, how many of them have we experienced in 24 months? Absolutely. And I, uh, you know, when it comes to that stalling out and that just telling yourself you're going back to normal, like it's the same kind of denial that we have with chronic illness and disability, um, that keep, that can keep us stuck, you know, and maybe it does go back to normal, whatever that looks like. Right. The question is this, and this is how I would ask it to my chronic illness clients. You know, if you are going to feel like you feel today for the rest of your life, how do you want to move forward? You know, and it's the same thing with if the way we're living with the pandemic right now, today, never changes, never improves. How are you going to live your life? Um, and, and that question really opens a lot of doors that, you know, you probably couldn't even see before because you're so focused on getting back to normal. You know, uh, take your focus away from what's going to happen next to all the things I can't control and turn it internal to if this never improves or get wor gets worse, what kind of life do I want to build? What options do I have? What wow. can I do? Um, and you can't ask those questions until you let go of the stuff that you have no influence on, COVID being a huge one of those. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a really good, and that's a really good sort of pointer to have, because I do think that whether it's entrepreneurs, really? whether it's employees or whoever, yeah. there is a huge, there is a huge, what I would call out there, waiting room syndrome. Uh, you're 
face is frozen and I heard a little bit of talking. Okay, I'm not sure what's happened there. I mean, okay. I can hear you fine. Okay, I've got you back. So that'd be another I think thing. We're for, good. I think that'd be saying for David just to check on the edit. But no, all I'm going to say to that is I think that there's a lot of people out there, whether they're employees, entrepreneurs, that run the risk of getting in that waiting room and not looking at moving forward and actually saying this is the new way forward and actually cultivating it and moving forward. I mean, absolutely. And it's like COVID, COVID is just a giant invitation for us to, I think, focus on the stuff that we can control. Um, because literally you focusing on anything else is a waste of your human energy. <laughs> You're not going to, and it's not that we can't acknowledge it. You know, it's not that we don't have to know what's going on. We do. Um, but you know, that resilience, that adaptability, you know, get creative. You know, if this is how your life is going to look for the rest of your life, which is kind of sad and depressing to think about, I understand that, but you know, what, what can you do and start there? And then if things do get better, same with chronic illness, right? Awesome. Then everything gets easier. Um, but waiting on that, depending on that is a, a great way to get stuck for like a decade. Um, when you could have been building a business, <laughs> uh, that helps you helps other people and, you know, makes you happier and, other people as well, <laughs> instead yeah. of just staying in this place, like you're robbing us of your gifts, talents, all those things when you're waiting for the pandemic to go away. Brilliant. Now, if people want more information about you, or they want to consider, okay, how can you help them move forward? Where do they go? So you can find me on Instagram at Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L, chronic illness coach. Um, and I also run a Facebook group called chronically ill entrepreneurs and creatives. If you are someone with a chronic illness, um, and as I was mentioning to you, uh, ahead of this, Peter, I also work with people who are not chronically ill, um, but resonate with what I'm saying. You know, if you are stuck and dealing with external stuff and impossible circumstances, but you need to move forward, like all, all the lessons all the frameworks are all the same. <laughs> I think that's really important. And actually, I would not have thought this prior to our call, but this has been an absolute eye-opener for me as well. I'm so, so glad to hear that, Peter. Brilliant. Now, if anything we've spoken about today resonates with you, you want more information, please head over to bilka.com and get in touch. If you'd love today's episode, please subscribe, like it, and share it with other people that will benefit. Raquel, thank you for being such an awesome guest. Thank you, Peter. This is a riveting combo. And always remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Please stay safe.